Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing. This is widescreen podcasting and the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles. Thank you all for downloading. I hope you're all well, safe and sound. Today, folks, once again, we're going to be delving into the world of cover versions, as in covers of Paul McCartney songs, not songs that Paul McCartney has covered. I know I've probably said that a dozen times at the start of these episodes, but there are always new listeners and you never know who isn't up to speed. Of course, the Paul or Nothing approach to covers of Paul's solo work is to take a diverse and wide-reaching sample of tracks, throw them up in the air and see where they land. All of these covers were chosen more or less at random, with some notable exceptions based on my personal biases. Nothing new there. What is new, however, is the fact that I will not be alone on this covers episode. No, I will actually be joined later on by John Davenport, rather fittingly from the Under the Covers podcast, an awesome new podcast that focuses on the great art of covers artistry, that caught my eye, A, because a friend of the show was one of his guests, and B, because he's done what I want all podcasts to do, really, which is to cover their Beatle-based content nice and early. You know, despite being relatively new and a non-Beatles-specific podcast, there is already a smorgasbord of absolutely ace Beatles-based content on John's podcast already. So please make sure you go and check it out at the end of this show. Give him the old Paul or nothing love. In terms of its host... I'd like to think me and John got on like a house on fire, really. And there's a whole load of content I had to regrettably cut from this episode as we, slash I, kept going off on wonderfully wild tangents, which, for me, is always the sign of a good conversation. So yeah, soon you'll hear me and John go through more divinely chosen covers of Paul McCartney's solo classics, quote-unquote. But before then, we do need to crack on with the... Housekeeping! So, what do we have in terms of news today? Well, one thing I'm very excited to bring up is the fact that I've had a second lot of fan mail. Yes, folks, it is fan mail fever over here at Paul or Nothing. And not that I would sink so low as to beg my audience for continual free stuff. That comes later with the Patreon plug. But let's just say that I wouldn't be upset if any of you privately contacted me about my postage details, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, what did I get this time? Well, a good friend of the show, who shall remain nameless, sent me four spare copies of Club Sandwich, ranging from issue 34 in 1984 to issue number 53 in 1989. I mean, fuck me, these things are awesome. And whilst I did speak to the sender offline to privately express my sincerest appreciations. I did want to take the opportunity to thank the unfathomably kind bastard uh, for sending them in. I mean, these things are huge, folks. I'm sure many of you listening out there are old enough to remember Club Sandwich, but for a whippersnapper like me, I am absolutely bold 
over. These are huge colour print behemoths. That must have cost an arm and a leg to produce and no wonder it's no longer printing anymore. They're lavish. They're filled with interviews and endless pictures. They're a fan's wet dream. You lot don't know how lucky you were. Of course, the best thing to come out of all of this is that if you go back and remember a while back, I talked about how I did record an episode with the Queen Kitto tool where we discussed Give My Regards to Broad Street. That audio was lost, if you remember. And, of course, we're going to redo that episode. However, I never actually did the part one, like the context stuff. So now that I've got the dedicated Give My Regards to Broad Street issues of Club Sandwich... You know, it only means that the eventual Give My Regards to Broad Street episode, when it does finally drop, when we do finally get to talk about it, is going to be even more detailed than ever. So thank you again to the Mysterious Sender. They're going to be loved, and more importantly, they're going to be really useful for the show. If you out there listening right now know of any McCartney product or vinyl or merch that is in need of a good home, uh, keep on listening and hit me up through all the upcoming contact details. Other than that, there isn't much else really. Uh, my other podcasting side project that I've been hinting at over the last couple of episodes and possibly the next two episodes has currently been put on hold until further notice. So if any of you were wondering what that was, you are just going to have to wait and see, I'm afraid. In terms of more positive things for the future, I have thankfully booked quite a few awesome guests for the podcast. That will result in some fantastic content on this show. Some names that I've wanted to have since day one. Again, really, really cleaning out my back pocket here, shall we say. At the time of recording, my episode of Ranking the Beatles will be recorded on the same day that my episode of Blotto Beatles gets dropped. So that's really fun. And also this weekend, I'm going to be recording two Swapcast episodes, yes, two, with friend of the, of the show, Anthony Rotuno from Glass Onion, where we are going to be comparing, contrasting, and exploring Snova BCCR, a.k.a. the Russian album, a.k.a. Chopper, and John Lennon's Rock and Roll. Can't wait to do all of that. Keep your ear to the ground, folks. To get in contact with the show, please email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. I always want to hear your Paul McCartney stories, your Paul McCartney trivia, any Paul McCartney parenting stories that you have. You will see why I'm asking this shortly later on. Uh, the other important one, I want to hear your reviews of McCartney 3. I want to keep that conversation going here today, folks. Of course, many of you have already got in contact, but let's keep up the momentum while we've got it, eh, hey, folks? I've been loving reading out all of your correspondence and once again we've got a couple of emails to read out today the first of which is all the way from Brooklyn and comes from one Ripley B it says hi Sam I've been wanting to write in for a long while now and I've finally managed to get around to it I really want to just let you know how amazing your podcast is I've only just managed to tackle the extensive back catalogue of episodes after finding Paul or Nothing back in August slash September it's been such a treat to listen to, and is legitimately the main piece of media I've been consuming over that time. Aside from Paul's own music, of course. I promise I'm not trying to butter you up, I just enjoy the show that much. You've been so helpful in giving me the confidence to explore Paul's solo stuff more fully. During quarantine, I binge-watched the Beatles anthology box set, and when I was finished, I was so curious about their post-breakup work. I think I fell in love with Paul's initially through the song 
Let Me Roll It from Band on the Run. Then I listened to Ram and that pulled me in way deeper. However, the weirdly negative perception of Wings, let alone Paul in the 1980s, made me hesitant to even open those albums on Spotify. I had the exact same experience there, Ripley, do not do not worry about that. That's entirely natural, uh, especially with all of the negativity coming your way from all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, she continues. I probably would never have listened much further if not for the podcast. I remember when I first discovered it and I felt so immensely happy and invested in the topic, especially once I saw how many episodes you have already. Your tone of delivery, jokes, impressions and well-researched materials is everything I could dream of from a podcast. And I love how opinionated yet fair your takes are. Paul has been really significant in my life since way before this year. My dad raised me on the Beatles music and movies. I think Yellow Submarine, the movie, was probably the most formative piece of media for me growing up. As a result, I've definitely perceived the Beatles as some not-quite-human, mythical, legendary cartoon extension of the men on the covers of records my dad played. I saw Paul twice when I was a kid. You're still a kid, okay? Uh, Once at Ringo Starr's 70th birthday at Radio City Music Hall, and once a few years later at some sort of concert he did in Long Island, New York. I can't find it listed online anywhere as a tour performance or otherwise, but I'm quite certain it happened. It's been driving me a little crazy, not only because it seems not to be catalogued online at all, but also because I was so young, and so I have no memory of any of the songs he actually played. Oh, how I wish I could have consciously heard those four or five wing songs he rotates in his shows. I feel so lucky to be here and a true Paul fan during all of the McCartney 3 release. Anyway, I apologise for the length of this email. I just hope you know the reach you have with your podcast. It's made a random 16-year-old girl in Brooklyn very happy. Take care, Ripley. First of all, thank you for confirming that both young people and women do in fact listen to this podcast. That's very reassuring indeed. Secondly, your dad sounds fucking awesome. Like, I only caught a glancing strike from my dad's minor Beatle fandom, so to bear the brunt of a dad's fandom head-on, you know, from day one, is both admirable and adorable. And being someone whose dad took him to see Stevie Wonder, you have no idea how lucky you are that your papa took you to see Paul. And that is why, folks, I do want you to send me in your Paul McCartney parenting stories. Have you taken your kids to see Paul? Did your parents take you to see Paul or the Beatles? Let me know. PaulMcCartneyPod at gmail.com Of course, also, just to the listeners as well, I do turn to you. Does anyone know anything about this Long Island gig that Paul may have done a few years ago? We don't have many of the details. You know, maybe someone out there with a little help of Mr. Google could let us know. But yeah, Ripley, thank you for everything you said about the show, of course. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Make sure you mention it to your friends, because as we both know, all young Paul McCartney fans have loads of friends their own age, loads of contemporaries that like Paul, of course. Our second email today is from veteran Paul or Nothing correspondent David Jackson, and he has been dutifully continuing the McCartney 3 reviews that I've been asking for. Thank you for that, Dave. Thank you for getting in on the action. He says, Hi, Sam. Fucking hell, this album is amazing. It's up there with his very best work. After years of trying too hard to have 
meaningful, overly long albums and trying to be contemporary with trendy producers, this album shows that, George Martin withstanding, Paul is the very best producer of his work. I also think that at last, Paul has come to terms with his changed voice and doesn't try to hide it through auto-tune or other effects. This record is the right length and has an inspired sequencing of tracks. The length of the individual tracks likewise is also very well balanced. The eight minutes plus of deep, deep feeling is the hypnotic groove that lifts the track into the very best Hey Jude slash Isn't It A Pity playout climax. Sliding reminds me of Paul's work with Dave Grohl, aka Cut Me Some Slack. The melody of Kiss of Venus is as great as anything Paul has ever written, particularly when the harpsichord comes in. Can't disagree with you there, Dave, though apparently we do disagree in this next bit. I like every song on this album though, mate, so I must disagree with your comments about women and wives and pretty boys. To me, Paul is exploring ways to sing now that his voice is different. Clearly Paul thinks the Fats Domino style of singing works. I disagree though about Lavatory Lil being about Heather Mills. Heather is Beatrice's daughter, so it's hardly likely he would want to upset his own child. The symmetry of this fantastic album is completed with the reprise of the opening track and the closer. When Winter Comes can be interpreted as Paul saying goodbye and getting back to what needs to be done on the farm. Macca's best work since Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. Regards mate, David. As always Dave, thank you for your dutifully dedicated correspondence with the show. I reckon your name's probably come up in these housekeeping segments more than any other, so kudos for that. But yeah, the most important thing is that I'm so glad you've responded to McCartney 3 so positively. You're right. And you're right. The lack of a producer and the acceptance of his age are two of the defining selling points of this album. And of course, with this podcast being chronological and me more or less being very faithful to that chronology, I cannot argue that this is the best thing since Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. But other listeners out there, please do email in or hit me up on the Twitter to start an argument with David on my behalf. Is this the best thing since Chaos and Creation in the Backyard? Or has there been something better since Chaos? Who knows? Another thing I will say, uh, I was listening to the guys over at Fabcast and they mentioned the court depositions that mentioned how Paul wouldn't let Heather have a bedpan by the bed as it made Macca feel like he was with an old lady. So he would have to carry her to the toilet on his back, thus lavatory lil. I think that's pretty conclusive, don't you? As always though, David, cheers for keeping in touch. I'm sure we'll speak soon. And everyone, if you too want to be like them and have your email read out on the show, please hit us up at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. If you want to follow us every day for more constant updates, follow us on our Twitter page, which is at McCartneyPod. If you want bonus poor or nothing content, check out the sister blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. There's always new stuff going up on there. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube simply by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. If you want to help out the show right now, right away, in a way that takes less than 30 seconds with minimal effort, please give us a five-star review on whatever platform you are using, on whatever podcast service you use. If you're on YouTube, give us the old thumbs up. And hey, if there's an option, if you could write a little review for the show as well and say how much you're enjoying it, that really helps us out in the algorithms as well. Thank you for that. But if you want to help 
the show directly, if you want to help see us grow, if you want to help keep the lights running, then please consider joining our Patreon family. Patreon is a service by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself by throwing a couple of dollars down the internet at my face. Of course, all or nothing is free. I'm never going to run ads on it. I do a full-time job whilst I'm doing it. So if you are appreciative of the hundreds of hours I've put into this show and will continue to do so, then consider joining our wonderful Patreon family at patreon.com slash McCartney podcast. Of course, sorting out the Patreon and having some bonus exclusive incentives on there is the thing I'm going to be working on over 2021. Of course, keep your ears to the ground for that. But before we crack on with the show, I've got to give a huge thank you, a huge shout out to my wonderful Patreon family, people including Teresa Breda, Stephanie Miller, Louis DiLonardo, Stuart Cook, Cheryl McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia P, Robert Carabelli, Warren Butson, Matt Phillips, and of course, the original fan mailman, Tony Vosile. Thank you everyone for supporting the show, thank you all for downloading. Let's crack on with the main episode, let's cut to the live feed. One, two, three, go me. And now folks, it's time for me to introduce today's guest. I first came across this chap whilst in the middle of a glass onion binge, as it were. Of course, Glass Onion is the show hosted by a friend of the show, Anthony Rotuno, and he mentioned doing a collaboration with a podcast called Under the Covers. And, of course, any friend of Anthony's is a friend of mine. So after listening to just the two episodes they did together and listening to the fantastic conversation they had, I knew I was going to get him on my pod, specifically on this ongoing side series we've been doing where we've been looking at Paul McCartney covers, not covers Paul McCartney has done and you know just someone to help make sense of the madness we've all been experiencing everyone please welcome someone who fears music copyright laws even less than myself and Robert (laughs) Rodriguez it's Mr John Davenport John how you doing my friend I'm I'm just so excited to be on two legs this is one of the best podcasts (laughs) for anything Paul McCartney related it's great to be here with you Tom and Andy Uh, it's really is a Thrillington Oh, wow. Is I've that... been burned. Okay. Oh, someone someone fetch me some burn cream. Oh, my gosh. Okay. My, oh. My, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I'm going to be telling Ethan from Fans on the Run about this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my face is red right now. So, <laughs> All of us Beatles podcasts, we talk. We're very, we're like very clicky, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Lost many friendships along, along the way. <laughs> but... No, I, I should say... Um... As you were saying that you've been binging uh, Glass Honey, I've been binging your show, and I'm just, uh, again, uh, so happy to be joining you, and yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan, so thank, thanks so much. Oh, no, no, thank you. I'm Honestly, I'm glad to have you all here. Um, you know, you are still a relatively fresh property, and in, in my own Machiavellian way, I always like to get in on the ground floor of other people's podcasts. Something obviously been really attracted to with your show is that you've just, you've just, pushed in all those chips you've gone all in you've called the bluff and you've just done so much beetle content was that naturally the way things worked out or was that the plan all along yeah i i think i had the idea for it when i was back in college and then i just kind of slowly added more and more and more and then i was conflicted because i was like okay do i just stick with the hits of strictly covers you know, you, you always think of like Joe Cocker, you know, with a little help from my friends. And then as I was like, you know, digging up more stuff, I would just find more and more cover. And almost every Beatles song is just so beloved and there's so many different versions of it. I just decided, you know, yeah, 
like you say, put all of the chips in. And, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with it. So that, that's nice, nice of you to say. No, you should be. Uh, I, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is to discover new podcasts rather than finish podcasts I've already started. So uh, I can't wait to not finish the rest of your episodes <laughs> as well. Okay. I guess, though, with Beatles, there is just so much to cover, and it's such an attractive prospect whenever you're starting up one of these shows. You know, you're like, oh, I can at least attempt a third of all the Beatles covers ever done. I'm sure. I'm sure that's reasonable, but then I'm sure the more research you do, the more you realise that uh, there must be tens of thousands of them out there. I mean, yesterday and um, yes. something of some of the most covered songs of all time, surely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I forgot. There, there's two websites that are pretty much devoted entirely to covers. Who Sampled Who it comes to mind, and they, they list, like, every single cover. And like you said, I think Yesterday is the most covered song in existence. So you could probably do an entire show just on that. But I think that'd be quite dry just to do yes, an, <laughs> an episode just, just, just on Yesterday. Oh my gosh! So like you know, you um, I guess you could do like you know awards for like who does the best. Why did she have to go? You know, in third place, One we, we we have Tom Jones. Uh, uh, um, I've been going through some of, of your episodes, and we've already covered quite a lot of similar ground already. Like uh, Phoebe Snows, Every Night, The yeah. Faces, Maybe I'm Amazed, yes. Guns and Roses, of course, absolutely. What are some of your favorite non-McCartney solo Beatle covers? Um, I think, gosh, yeah, I did an episode on just strictly the solos Beatle material. Isolation by Harry Nielsen's fantastic. Oh My Love by the Whackers is great. What is Life, Olivia Newton-John? I mean, I, I could go, oh, okay. Oh, Olivia, Olivia Newton-John, What is Life? That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Don McLean does Sunshine, Life for Me. Sail Away Raymond. Oh, wow. So that's, um, yeah, again, I, I wasn't too familiar with that song, but it's, it's uh, I think, a really fun, fun track. Yeah, I mean, something that I've been bringing up in all of these covers episodes is just how it really stuck in Lennon's craw that whether it's solo McCartney or Beatles McCartney, Everyone just seems to cover him. I mean, even if we took yesterday out of the equation, mm. it's still skewing heavily towards Paul. Uh, in your experience, is it because of the lyrics or the vocals, would you say, is, is the key factor? Yeah, that's tough. I think what I notice with a lot of people covering McCartney, it, it tended to be more kind of female-oriented um, mm. singers. That that's but again I, I if I looked at the numbers maybe it would skew the other way so I, that was just an assumption by me but uh, I mean yeah I think just McCartney's pop sensibility because it's so um, you know his it, many of his songs are just so beloved that mm. I think it's hard to go wrong if that makes sense yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many, I mean, the meme is that, you know, all of John's songs are either about John or Yoko. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure how true that is. But also, you know, I've sang Oh Yoko in a context of just singing it about whoever I'm currently in love with <laughs> at that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it has that universality to it. But yeah, even though it's so specific. 
you know, I'm sure, you know, a Kylie Minogue's version of How Do You Sleep would be really interesting, but I guess artists just aren't willing to take those risks. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, you know... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to, trying to, you know, maybe, maybe like Slipknot could do watching the wheels or something. I'm mm. trying to think of a, you know, something a little es- esoteric. You know, <laughs> I bet on Billie Eilish's third album there'll be a terrible John Lennon Beatles cover that I'm just not looking forward to as well. Yeah, yeah, I can. It's you've you put it into the it's the coming, universe. John. It's, made it into it's coming. Oh. Miley Cyrus, like, she's she's done her damage so. Oh, like you know when Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park he sees the uh, the impact tremor of in in the in the T Rex footprint <laughs> like he, danger's coming, danger's oh coming. Oh my gosh! Yes, but oh. it's Billy Ellis. She's the T Rex. <laughs> it's her face. <laughs> I'm a T Rex, and it goes raw. And oh, I don't know. Oh, sorry, sorry, listeners over the age of thirty. Uh. Billy Eilish is a is a contemporary singer who wears baggy clothes and never looks yeah. happy. I'm sure I'm sure your grandkids have spoken about her. That's probably my weakness is with the covers is like I'm not too hip with the uh more contemporary artist as as much as I would want to be or try to be. Yeah, uh, you know, has BTS covered wings? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Has Skepta covered the fireman? Mm. You know, I do need to uh, look at look, look into this stuff, but I think I'd be quite disappointed. You know what? Now that I know for a fact though that you're not just a dirty casual Beatles fan, I'm just going to hit you. With a few <laughs> oh, quick, uh, see, uh, I'll I'll, <laughs> oh, oh, I'll stand oh, back uh, there because uh, one, I think listening to so many of the Beatles podcasts, uh, maybe I'm I'm uh, sucking up too much here. But like, yeah, any time I listen to a Beatles podcast, I'm kind of blown away. I learn something completely new, and I'm just like, oh, I'm I'm like ashamed to call myself even a Beatles fan. Try hosting a podcast. The shame is even more intense. um, I mean, like the amount of mistakes I've edited out where like, you know, I've said something to Ken Michaels where Mm. he's like, no, no, Sam, that's just not correct. You know, I could probably make a whole podcast of those mistakes. But Mm. fortunately, the magic of editing makes everyone (laughs) a Beatles expert. Yes. Yeah. And then I'll say that to Listening to your show, I was embarrassed how little I listened to Paulo's solo work. I think I bought into the critics ragging on Wings material. And so, like, diving deep into the Paul's um, solo work is – I've just been so, like, amazed how how, so, how good so, most, you know, like 90% think, of the stuff is. Yeah. Like, you know how kind of Elvis was waiting for the teenager to be born? I think a lot of solo McCartney was waiting for the hipster to uh, be born. Okay, and, yeah. you know, I think the word hipster fucking goes back to the 30s. But, you know, the kind of beardy contrarian, the, mm. the kind of countercultural movement. Because, uh, you know, if everyone's into punk and, you know, head bashing and smashing pint glasses over everyone's head, how is how isn't being into Paul McCartney, the more rebellious thing. Right, right. Uh, but that's me kind of shaping history in my own image there, I guess. Um, <laughs> the counter-contrarian, is that maybe? <laughs> yeah, the uh, anti-double-counter-contrarian. Mm. There's, you know, it would be it'd be like one of those anti-disestablishmentarianism uh-huh. uh, things. But um, you know, you know what? I'll just I'll just hit you with a couple of easy quick-fire ones. Uh, sure, sure. They're quick questions, but your answers can be as detailed as you want. Okay. Favorite Beatles? 
uh, I'll, I'll say Lennon, but I mean, like it, it changes time to time, you know, like, yeah, when I, you get in the McCartney stuff, then you're like, wow, you, you can't believe how great his stuff is. And then like, maybe you just, oh gosh, am I going to ramble? The short answer, Lennon, I guess the long answer, um, whatever I'm listening to, like, does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, totally. Like, whenever I put on Scorsese's Living in the Material World, George is my favourite. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. 100%, 100%. I don't think I've ever said Ringo's been my favourite, and I don't think I'd trust anyone who would say that. I'd be like, what are they hiding? Uh What's their game? I I think his personality, like, he just seems so easygoing and friend, you know, friendly and just. No, but who's buying the albums, John? This is this is what no one's answering. Good ones. He's got a few quality ones. Yeah, I've got the Ringo album because Mm. a fan sent it me. Like, I've I've stepped outside the system here. I'm not. That man's not taking my money. I'm not. I'm not getting him. Sorry, Ringo fans. I, you know, this isn't the anti-Ringo. This is a pro-Paul podcast. Okay. But uh, it's definitely one of those things like red wine or, you know, mature cheeses where everyone says, oh, no, Sam, you'll eventually get into Ringo. Mm. Maybe when you're a bit older, you'll... No, it, nothing. Uh, I put on Bukua Blues and the other country one he did in 1970. I was like, oh, OK, yep, these fulfil every stereotype. That I that that I heard about Ringo going in, yeah. Whereas whereas John Paul and George all have a certain sense of oh wow this is way better than any of the rock critic yes yes have have any 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 credence for, but yeah uh, short answer is John. Mm. Most over and most underrated Beatles song. Uh, most underrated or overrated. Um... Hmm. Drum roll. <laughs> See again. I'm bad at being put on the spot. Uh, Panic. Think. Think. Action. Uh, uh. Yes. Yes. I, I said in the earlier podcast, Blue Jay weighs like my least favorite. Uh, Your least favorite song oh of the my, Beatles. Oh my word! Is that Etu Brute? Oh my gosh! It's like a that's like a nice but an overrated. Back. I think I got a overrated. Hmm. What song does everyone say is awesome and you're just like, ugh, beat, no, no, the the fandom's got that one wrong. I mean, for you, me... Okay, yeah, always, please go ahead, so I'm not... For me, uh, it's always the long and winding road. Mm. That's that's the one song where I'm like, why does everyone keep going on about this one? Yeah. Uh, I, can, I, I can understand people who hate Mr. Moonlight, but I can't understand anyone who loves Long and Winding Road. See, like, I like Let It Be, and then I like Long and Winding Road, but the fact that you have two kind of slower yes. ballads, I think for some reason that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. Again, I, I think the, them as songs, they're still really high-quality songs. And then you get the production with Long and Winding Road. I think if I much prefer it on the Naked... Beatles um, album. Yeah, it would be nice if like Lennon had pulled his finger out a bit and put a couple more rockers on the album. Mm. Maybe Paul would have matched him with one more. Right, right. Uh, may- maybe put All Things Must Pass on. Yes. And then you've got Let It Be and The Long and Winding Road 
on McCartney One, yeah, making oh, it a I was, much a much fuller, rounder album. You know, I thought I was because cr- I kept listening to your show, and I I had that thought in my head, and I was like, if I bring it up, I wonder if he's just gonna like, you're gonna come after me, like, no, 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 <laughs> that's insane. That's what are you talking about? But I had like, wow, that's ins- crazy that you would say that. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. If that had been on McCartney One, that would have been, out of, you know. Oh, and and like he does three singles of "Let It Be," "Long and Winding Road," "Maybe I'm Amazed," three number ones. It's 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 a completely different setup. Ram is well received at the time. Mm. Maybe Wings doesn't need to be formed because Paul's ego doesn't need massaging in that way. Right. Um, because again, the dirty secret is just do what Paul says. Just do what he says. Yeah, that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just the bass player. You're not. You know, it's right. fine. It's fine. It's fine that you're evil. Let's just work. <laughs> let's, let's just work with. Let's, let's work with it. You know. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being a band member and like you're like, hey, you know, like. It Could must you do that again, please? Spoken Paul? agreement. Yeah. Oh, Paul, I don't think that bass line was quite right. Could you do it again? And he just shoots you a look and. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're, dr- you know, you're not on invited on the bus. You're just there. You're left at the, uh, the gig or whatever. There is the famous line of, "Well, did you write yesterday?" And it's like, <laughs> "Oh God!" If he if he was to say that to you, oh. yeah, yeah, a million pieces just you shatter you. <laughs> you feel about that big, and for, and and for everyone at home, I'm pressing my finger and thumb together as tightly as possible. Mm. Go on, same question again. Underrated and overrated Beatles albums. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'll go through the entire Beatles. There's only, there's, there's only, yeah, you know, compared to songs now, I've cut it down by about 86% for you. And, and see, I think that's the thing, too, that the Beatles were like four different bands at the same time. Does that make sense? Because, like, you have the early Beatles and the psychedelic Beatles and the folk rock Beatles. So like, it, yeah, I, I, hmm. something that's played on the radio a lot, maybe. Um... Did you ever hear from teachers a lot? Make sure you answer the question. <laughs> I feel like, I, I feel like you've been, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just say Maxwell Silverhammer. <laughs> Go on. All right, See, uh, uh, yeah, I guess you're, you're putting, Putting the gun to my head, yeah, oh. I guess I'll go with that. But I still, Diddy Mao, I Mao. Think, I think I like <laughs> Maxwell Silverhammer. Oh no, because it gets ragged. All, I think it gets. I get. I think it gets ragged on too much, and so I probably. Why it it's so, it's such a good song. It's so beautiful. I heard it. I loved it before I read the criticism, which is always an important part of loving anything. Really, is to experience it without. Uh, criticism and trailers even yes. though those are my two favorite things to indulge in before i absorb new media you know what i'll give you a slightly easier question this time okay favorite of the beatles films um their films the main five i'll say yellow submarine because i mean that's something i feel like it's like a heirloom you can pass it on to your kids and their kids um the the animation is just superb and uh the song, you know, the songs, I think, mm. are as much a part of. They are the music videos, largely for for those songs, like Eleanor Rigby and that imagery. Um, the only knock that you can put on Yellow Submarine is they didn't do their own voices. 
which it's, you know, been talked about to death. But, you know, I think uh, when you're a kid, it, it doesn't matter as much. It's only as you get older that it's kind of a, you know. Oh, but doesn't it make the bit at the end where they do yes, appear yes, all the absolutely. more like, yeah. like I remember be, being feverish when it happened because <laughs> the first time I watched Yellow Submarine in full was at my university lecture room, which was in a cinema. So I, I got to see it on the, on the big screen and I didn't know that happened. And I felt like one of those girls at Shea Stadium that had to be dragged away. You know, it was, it was, it was a great feeling. There are newer and bluer meanies in the vicinity of this theatre. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Yes, yes. Right. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Should I it, ask you? I mean, I think you've, you've. Oh, I've answered these questions a oh, hundred okay. times before. Right. The, I mean, I'm sure I could do a pop quiz for the fans at any point. Be warned, listeners. I loved what, listening to your uh, the Let It Be breakdown of your show. Oh, and then I was, yeah. I was that conflicted because was... I was like, do I want to watch it before the new film comes out? And then I, I broke and I just like, I had nothing to do. So I was like, I have to, I'll watch the original. And uh, so I, I'm definitely hyped for the new one. Well, I'm glad you caught it because you can't watch it on Pornhub anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that, that's gone. <laughs> that old chestnut. Hopefully like someone like X videos or X hamster will mm. come in and, you know, carry on the the uh, Olympic torch, as it were. But yeah, since we've gotten to know each other a little bit, I think I think we should get on with the day's business, really. And without any further ado, we're going to continue our look at people covering Paul McCartney songs. It's that simple, folks. You've all read the title by now, and hopefully you've listened to the first th- three, I think, parts of this little side series. The first track we're going to start, dude, was recommended by one of our listeners on our Twitter page, the user Saeed Trujillo, who kindly sent this in with the preface that this was a, a hit in his home country of Peru. This is Tomorrow from Wildlife, and this version is by We All Together. Let's hear that. together it makes sense that this band would cover a paul mccartney song their name is literally only one word off the frog song we all stand together and only two letters off the beatles track all together now so it's all wheels within wheels there but this is one of those covers for me where i can't tell if i like it or dislike it based on how unbelievably faithful it is to the original the vocals border on note for note remake territory 
which is impressive on a Paul McCartney track, but the lack of Linda and Denny may mean it could be a little bit too polished and a little bit of the charm is lost, I guess. But you've really got to be careful when you record too faithfully because you can kind of make your own cover a little pointless and this might be that for me. What do you think about this one, though? Uh, does this one bring enough to the table for it to stand out to you? Uh, yeah, my here I more up-tempo than the original Wings version, which benefits the song. The knock is that it doesn't have as much of the professional production. The vocals sound quite similar to Paul's, and you could almost mistake this track as a Paul Ruff demo. Overall, <laughs> I, I like the song, the roughness around the edges, a real sincerity to the song and band. I'll give it a plus. I, I enjoy this. I like those kind of obscure, um, you know, I, again, I, I wasn't familiar with this band at all. And uh, so I like these little chestnuts or nuggets, if you will. I did like the move to a more fuller sounding band. Mm. It is a little, like, despite having, you know, more solid production, the band itself wings at that point was a little more ramshackle. So here to have at least a band that has maybe rehearsed the song more than twice (laughs) certainly helps. I think I remember saying that in the like third episode of this podcast, like four years ago, something like that. So yeah, that's certainly come, come back around. The drums are also quite a bit more interesting this time around, Mm. which is odd because Denny Sywell was Paul's best ever drummer. Mm. But the, the moment he joins wings, he's like kind of shackled to his stool and he's not allowed to go as crazy as before. But other Wings characters have said similar things. But yeah, they, they really bring up the drums in this one. They really bring up the emphasis on the guitar as well. There's kind of a more throaty rock tone to it. Yeah, two thumbs up from me as, as well. Thank you, Saeed, for that. Thank you very much for that. We're going to go on to our second song now, and it's going to be from Flowers in the Dirt. And that's an album I've had the pleasure of talking about with some frequency on this podcast of late. That's A-OK with me. The man playing this one is Chris Hillis, and this is This One. Did I ever take you in my arms, look you in the eye, tell you that I do? Did I ever open up my heart and let you look inside? If I never did it, I was only waiting for a better moment. That didn't come There never could be A better moment Than this one This one This one is gliding Above the ocean A god is riding Upon his back How come the water And bright the rainbow Fade this one To black Did I ever Touch you on the cheek Say that you were mine Thank you for the smile Did I ever Knock upon your door Try to get inside So dude, this is a song taken from an album that up until today I'd more or less been avoiding entirely It's, it's called Coming up, independent artists pay tribute to the Paul McCartney music, or the music of Paul McCartney, Mm -hmm. sorry. Okay. It's from 2001. You've probably seen the cover at some point. Yes. 
but yeah, it's the first of several McCartney cover albums that I wanted to stall from using as long as possible in this side series, uh, just, just just to kind of keep up the, uh, the you know variety a bit, I guess. But since I've had so many recommendations that also include these albums, it's kind of opened the floodgates. But before I ask your opinions on this particular song, I want to ask, what do you think of tribute cover albums where they focus on one artist? Like, do you like that, or would you rather, you know, they, they cover a variety of acts? It's funny, funny that you should ask that. Um, yeah, I'm not very high on tribute albums in general. What I find is the cover album is done for a charity event. Um, the artists have a month rehearse a song and manage to play convincingly, but not as though it, this, they cut their teeth on it for years, perfecting it. And because it's a charity album, it's hard to be critical of the band. They, they do it largely out of courtesy, and so there's little pressure put on the band, and the song doesn't usually blow them away. Um, so yeah, I'm not very high on tribute albums. I think, you know, it's probably fun in the moment. I, I think of George's, the benefit for George. Like, I, I think that was a, a, a touching uh, tribute to him, but those songs I don't really go back to at all. I listened to it once, and I kind of just forgot about it. So, yeah, that that has the advantage of being a live concert film yes. more than a tribute right. album. It's not like the Blind Willie Johnson tribute that we had a couple, a couple of years ago, for, for, for example, where it's the rights holders to all of this music basically going, look, um, we, we want the copyright on these songs to, to stay a little longer. Can yes. you all cover these blues standards? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how 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 many more people need to cover Robert Johnson mm, yeah, all, right. and all of that stuff to keep all that going? But they are weird. I like the kind of tribute album or covers album where it's like like I say, it is done for charity. But in here in the UK, they're typically done for either like the BBC or Radio One mm-hmm. or some kind of ra- radio fair where they get the artist in the studio to record there. Mm. And they've actually been quite successful in in the charts here. Actually. Okay. Quite a few famous cover cover versions have stemmed from there. I'm editing at the moment a Tripping the Life Fantastic episode with the guy I did the Let It Be episode with, actually, so you should like it. Oh, awesome. And Paul sprinkles in a a bunch of his old rock and roll standards, and it's like, oh, you know what? It's actually a nice little break from what I'm expecting to hear right now. When I I saw Corin Bailey Ray as the opening act for Stevie Wonder a, a few years ago... I didn't know a lot of what she was doing, and that's fine. But then she did a cover, and that kind of got me into her a bit more. Uh, so <laughs> covers are also a, a, a nice way for you to uh, become more familiar with an artist. Like, they are good gateway songs, I guess. Yes. I was, yeah, I was just gateway drug. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, um, now that we've established all of that, Tosh, the floor is now yours. Talk to me about This One by Chris Hillis. Okay, yes, uh... Sounds like a Disney Channel intro song, uh, overly <laughs> produced. That's pretty much that. My ending notes on that. I, I'd give this a negative. It didn't. It did, <laughs> gateway drug. It led me to then watch the music video of Paul McCartney. This one. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> I wanted to close my eyes and my painted <laughs> eyelids while watching the video. <laughs> so I'm, No, yes. yeah, those uh, painted eyelids, um, for some reason, reminded me of, you know, in Indiana Jones, where she writes love you on, on her eyelids when, whenever, and then whenever she blinks. 
Someone out there will will uh, remember that. Write in to PaulMcCartneyPod <laughs> at gmail.com if you got that reference. Wow. Um, okay, yeah. So I, I, I was waiting for um, the Beavis and Butthead. I thought, oh, they must have went to town on this. But their air date was 1992. This video came out in 1989. So I, I think he was <laughs> saved from ridicule. Oh, uh, that would be funny. Yes, but yes. I am I, not I far off. I butthead impression now, but I'm... Uh, <laughs> that's all I know. One yeah. more tangent. I think Paul <laughs> looked oddly older in the 90s than he does today. Yeah, and he sounded worse. His vocals sounded worse yeah. than they do today as well. I've mentioned this on the next episode that is coming out in a couple of days uh, at the time of recording of this. Uh, I talked to Luca Parazzi and... I ask him, like, why is the 80s this decade where it was like, ah, oh, Paul didn't do well in the 80s. It's like, mm, did you see the 90s? Yeah. Everyone? Yeah. <laughs> that, talk about an awkward decade. Mm. Like, oh, but Sam, he had the anthology. No, 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 that's Beatles stuff. Right, right. Flaming Pie is overrated, mm. right? It's the tug of war of the 90s. Where I was like, oh, it's amazing. It's this return to form. Eh, it's all right. Mm. You know, yeah, you are, you are going to have a lot of content coming up that will be uh, right up your alley, as John Hammond once said. Uh, I'm definitely going to try and squeeze in more Jurassic Park references <laughs> into this episode as, 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 as well. Uh, if I can somehow, you know, squeeze Mr. DNA into this or. Uh, <laughs> or um, no, I could definitely do. I could, I could definitely get. I'll show you. Or like you know, cheat, cheetah speed, uh, you know, okay. Paul's bass playing is it's like a, a cheetah speed. Anyway, back to the show, folks. That, uh, so much of that is being cut out. You don't, you wouldn't even. No, you, you need to keep that in. You the DNA, know. I love the yeah. Mr. DNA, it was like Mr. Run? Clippy from uh, your Microsoft Word. Anyway, back to this one by Chris Hillis. When I first heard this track. I actually thought of the demo from the Phil Ramone sessions back in 87, maybe just because this is a bit less produced. Okay. But yeah, it's definitely got that middle-of-the-road formal radio rock, you're listening to KBBL kind of feel yeah. to it. Um, I mean, people accuse Paul of being middle-of-the-road, but like, no, no, this is what this song would sound like if Paul actually was middle-of-the-road. Mm. Like... Okay, this cover does reinforce how strong the root melody of this one truly is, but it also highlights how the album version is so delightfully weird and far off the beaten track that, again, this is rather pointless. It it doesn't need to exist. I don't mean to be a dick here, but <laughs> like, there's such a wealth of brilliant Paul McCartney covers mm. content, and... I'm able to walk away, you know. It's like Tinder. You can just keep swiping left and there'll always be new profiles. Don't get hung up on mm. it, you know. I'm I'm swiping left on this one. Yes. I did like the um, the megaphone kind of backing vocal in this a little bit. That's one thing I, I will say. But on the flip side of that, it did kind of make me think, oh, they just can't recreate Paul's vocals, so they'll do something else instead. Yeah. There was also a pretty good musical fade out I'm normally a big no-no on fade outs they're kind of lazy mm. but there was some ridiculously filthy bass at the end of this song and I did kind of like that jam so uh, you know 
it's not without charm, shall we, shall we say, but nowhere near as good as our third song on today's list and the first of our obligatory round covers. This is Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey and the performer is one Foster Silvers and it sounds a little something like this. taken from his 1973 self-titled debut album and at the time of recording he was only 11 years old George Harrison eat your heart out I mean it would be brave for a senior performer to tackle this song and yet this little sprog is tackling it like he's been doing it for 30 years as I was writing my notes I was a little worried about whether comparing him to Michael Jackson would be insensitive for a multitude of problematic reasons but then I went on his Wikipedia page and found that he was from a musical family of brothers of varying ages that were all in a group together and that he was the youngest to break off and do a solo career. Oh, and one of his brothers even voiced one of the Jacksons in the Jackson 5 cartoon. So yeah, folks, the shorthand is this kid is a young kind of, I think, Ben-era Michael Jackson allegory. I think, that, I, think, I think that's fair to say. He's a real rockin' robin. And... This song is officially titled Lullaby, Uncle Albert, and that's because, rather interestingly, there was a decision made to place a two-minute instrumental piece at the start of this song, a kind of uh, ethereal slow burner. That was way more interesting than it had any right to be, really. And that's not the only unique take in this song, because towards the end, at about five minutes, Silvers then begins to sing the la-la-la refrain coda thingy-ma-bob from Hey Jude and then that's lopped and sung in around and it's really gorgeous as a little counter melody but that does come at the expense of the hands across the water segment which I mean as we all know that was John Lennon's favourite part so I'm not sure what he would thought of, of this cover mm. but yeah back to you Dr. John uh, what, please I uh, are, are you taken by this whippersnapper, or is it a little bit kitsch for you? Yeah, I, I hate to be too contrary, and it has vibes of Dear Prudence done by the Five Steps. <laughs> they were a uh, a soul group, and had a uh, young soul. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, young soul soul group. Uh, poor production, but sincere to the original. The two minute intro tests my patience, but those who are fans of the seventy soul may grew to this. But I felt like it was a nursery song that wouldn't end more school kids play than jackson five so i had to kind of mark this down a bit i don't know if i'm being too harsh or not see i i kind of liked that i I liked how it 
it retained a lot of that childish silliness, which is kind of inherently McCartney-esque. Yeah, yeah. Though a lot of the, well, not a lot of all of the Britishness is removed. You know, we get no references to butter pies and admirals and stuff. Mm. It's that's probably why they brought in the Hey Jude Coda and that instrumental. It's definitely you know. How do we make people in Texas like <laughs> Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey? You know, this is this is the song you come up with. Mm. I don't know why I, I, I turned in, in, into the sheriff from Live and Let Die then. <laughs> yeah. That, that is what happened. Um, this kid's got an amazing voice. That is the real selling point. It was really mellifluous. Uh, it was harmonious. It was it was um, emotive and saccharine. All those wonderful words that uh, thesaurus.com was able to produce for me but the fact of the matter is it really tugged at my heartstrings and i think you're being a little bit callous oh my goodness i'm i have no heart (laughs) i think that's impressive like knowing how young he is that's that's a really impressive feat and i think that's you're spot on with the ben you know michael jackson's ben well i can always spot a rat (laughs) anyway oh my god i'm on fire tonight next up we have another song from ram albeit from the bonus material, though, if anything, that's, that's going to make me more predisposed towards liking it even more. This is Oh Woman, Oh Why, and it's going to be brought to us by one Ray Paul, and Ray Paul actually sounds like one of Macca's real-life pseudonyms, but let's not digress. Let's hear the song. This was taken from the Macca's cover album An Indie All-Star Tribute to Paul McCartney from 2019. And I only came across it by chance on YouTube whilst doing research for this particular episode. It was released on CD by Aleppo Records on the 9th of December last year. So before the apocalypse, you probably could have had the opportunity for about three months to buy this. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty good. And I cannot wait to milk it here on subsequent episodes. But onto the song itself, um, yeah, quite interesting actually. The overall production, particularly the drumming and the guitar tone, made it sound like this was a Ram track, but played in the style of the McCartney One album. And Oh Woman Oh Why is already one of the, the rawer songs from Ram anyway, so that, that kind of made perfect sense for me. But unfortunately, it's not the most experimental cover. It's, it's not bad, but it's not going to be in my Hall of Covers fame anytime soon. I guess, it, you know, the bar is so high with a lot of these covers, and it is easy to write off 
stuff that doesn't stand out like this, despite how strong a lot of the performances are. You know, the vocals, you know, very strong in this one. Uh, this is a tough song to sing on the best of days, but I struggled to write notes about this one, frankly. Mm. <laughs> there just wasn't a lot to say. I was disappointed by how throwaway it was. Okay. And I, I, I just wanted to have an interesting selection of songs for you, John, and I let you down. I'm really sorry. No, no, um, no. What, 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 what did you think? Okay, as a music nerd, I love discovering lesser-known album B-sides, or I'm sorry, non-album B-sides. So the original oh, yeah. McCartney version of the song is like a personal favorite. I like absolutely adore this song. I love the slide work from the original Murder Rocking Ballad. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. And it's criminal that, again, it wasn't on a proper album, but... Yeah, sadly, I feel like this is a pale imitation of the original. It sounds like the song was put together using Pro Tools. I found, <laughs> f- find a better gun sound effect. <laughs> uh, Predator. You, know, you can. There's millions of gun. Uh, mo- we could do one with, with our mouths right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, well, it was more a shotgun, right? It was. <laughs> I don't think McCartney has a, an AK-47. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm not particularly high on that. I I will also comment the album art. I don't know if you you you. Oh, that weird little photo, the stone thing on the on the balcony I'm, thing. That's I think he was the the original artwork from his album. Uh, the album title is whimsical, whimsicality, and then it was then picked up and then put on this compilation. But uh, yeah, album title whimsicality. Do you do the song on a whim? Ooh, that's my zinger. Uh, <laughs> okay. God, it, sound, it, sound, it sounds like a real corporate name that does. We need something whimsical, but not so lame. Uh, so, yeah, back to my college DJ, DJing days, there would always be bins of uh, CDs, and they would just have the oddest album art. Here <laughs> he's um, sitting between two giant headphones and then there's a blue sky in the background and uh yeah it, you you shouldn't judge a a song by its cover but this is just not good both the cover and song again maybe i'm being too harsh but and i think bad bad album art i can spend hours like there's so many websites where there, there's a quality and good bad album art and I would I don't know if it even qualifies as being bad good if that makes sense. One of my favorite subreddits is album art porn and <laughs> bad album art mm. porn. They are both yeah. absolutely fantastic. So I was getting I was getting that that it had that quality to it, I suppose. Totally. Well, speaking of bad album covers, we're gonna move on to a song from Wings at the Speed of Sound, which Probably is Wings' worst album cover. Mm. Uh, it's just red text on a white background or a yellow background, depending mm. on whether your copy was in a smoker's house or not, like <laughs> mine was. It's almost banana yellow at this point, but um, you know, he, I think he was using a bit of the cardboard as filters. But any, anyway, this song was recommended by one of our Twitter followers at Claire Sherman. Thank you very much for that. This is. Elvis Costello singing Warm and Beautiful. I don't think this track could require any more introduction, really, so let's just take it away. (laughs) 
on this show as the singer-songwriter who collaborated with Paul on Flowers in the Dirt, another album with terrible artwork. Um, This specific cover is drenched in an air of tragedy, though, as the performance was for the 1999 concert for Linda McCartney following her death from breast cancer in 98. Uh, On the piano, we also have uh, Steve Neve, I believe that's how it's pronounced, uh, from Elvis's band The Attractions, which is obviously a very natural pairing. I actually already know Costello quite well as a covers artist because he did a, a really good mashup of McCartney's Junk and Tom Waits's Broken Bicycles, which was the best meeting of two worlds in a cover that my life could ever possibly have. Unless maybe it was featured in the closing credits of The Sopranos or something. But, you know, you can't have everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember the original Warm and Beautiful being a song that I was not too fond of when I originally heard it. But I've been growing to like it over time. And I'm upset that I can't talk about how, oh, it was Costello who totally recontextualised for it. And he opened a new window for me because he, he, he really hasn't. Um, unfortunately for me, and I do mean for me, just me, I'm not a fan of the nasally vocal delivery of Elvis Costello. I'm sure many of you out there do, and I'm not going to take it away from you, but we've had so many strong vocalists over the last three episodes of this cover side series, and Costello ain't one of them. You know, he's a great songwriter, but that doesn't mean he's good at covers, and he does demonstrate that here. The piano playing's nice at least, but what about you? Are you taken by the emotion of it all, or can you coldly critique this as a piece of music? Uh, <laughs> again, I, I five stars. I think this is one one of the standouts. Five for- stars, yes, absolutely. What? Explain uh, yourself. One of best McCartney covers ever done. Costello's gracious speech done before the song is equally moving. Vocals, instrumentation, incredibly well performed and heartfelt, combines the simple and poignant pieces of the original recording. Uh, with the accompanying of the uh, Brodsky Quartet. Uh, the strings pull at your hard strings. Simply put, it is warm and beautiful. Hello? I'm, I'm, <laughs> are I'm you spe- still I'm, there? <laughs> I'm, speechless. I'm speechless. Oh, my goodness. Are you cold? You you criticize me as being callous. What are you? Uh, I'm cold and ugly right now. That's the, yeah, I am not warm and beautiful. Yay. Um, okay. <laughs> my word. Well, I, mean, I thought this would be like an this would be an easy peasy. This was like a no brainer. 
So for any budding podcasters out there, when you write your questions, always have sub questions that go off the first question. And one of my sub questions was going to be, how much leniency can you truly give a track from a tribute gig? <laughs> and I, I guess the answer is I could give a whole lot more, I guess. <laughs> Okay. Um, Normally, I would I wouldn't fall for like the schmaltzy stuff, but I don't know this this got to me, so I, I guess I I'm my own hypocrite. I don't know. I know well, I, I, I said that earlier, but I am one to like fall for the schmaltz. So that's interesting. Like outside of the context of this performance, it doesn't do anything for me. Though I am glad that this clearly helped smooth things out between him and Paul after the whole flowers in the dirt blowout. So. Some good came from it, at least. Yeah, maybe I, I, I was in that kind of drama, and uh, that seemed heartfelt as well. And uh, I had one, you can cut this if you want, Steve Ricks, who I think is like comedy cancer. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Steve Ricks? He does ah. imitations of well-known acts. In okay. fact, if you could block a YouTube channel, he would probably be my first one. But he does a little sketch on Warm and Beautiful, and it's probably the one that is mar- you know, marginally good. I think it is kind of a nice... He's not the guy who does, like, the Paul McCartney makes a cup of tea. Maybe. Stuff. I, again, try to avoid him, but he constantly... <laughs> po- he's like a, a virus, or I don't know what he would... Uh. Yeah, but... <laughs> That's the one I would actually give him a pass for because he does a decent little sketch bit on that. I am dreading the day someone makes a compilation of all of my terrible Paul McCartney impressions on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's. Uh... I guess um, I've read or heard that it, this was Paul's Imagine. I don't know where that the rumor mill. I don't know if you could speak to that more. It, it Again, it has that simple kind of piano and then... Warm and beautiful is Paul's imagine. Well, again, don't don't quote. I, I don't. That's not my quote, obviously. Oh my but um, I don't. I don't know if that was something in the in the sense that it's overrated. Perhaps, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah, god. I, I like it. I like warm and beautiful. But I need. I, I need a cold press on my head. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I all right. Turn the lights off. I need a, a sensory deprivated environment right now. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Definitely no sound. Well, I, I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's fine. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, proceeding on to our next track, and we have "So Bad," originally from Pipes of Peace, and it is brought to us by the great Smokey Robinson. This track was also kindly recommended to us by one of our Twitter followers, user H L or H Lippert H Lippert. Uh, Thank you so much for that again. This one was really fun. Let's hear it.
Now, this was a cover I was immediately drawn to the moment I saw it existed. I mean, it's smoky motherfucking Robinson doing so bad. I just had to investigate. But when I said had to investigate, that was based entirely on false pretenses because I got Smokey Robinson confused for like a Howling Wolf or a BB King type. Mm -hmm. No, he's a Motown falsetto vocalist, which admittedly is perfect for this type of McCartney cover. But I think the cover that I made up in my own head in anticipation might be the best track that we're going to not talk about today. Not that I was disappointed with this one. This definitely lived up to everything I could I could want from a cover of So Bad. The benefit of this cover is that the original really doesn't have a lot going on in terms of its arrangement or its instrumentation. So you do just get to focus on Smokey's voice here. And you must have heard this a million times over doing a covers podcast, but it literally sounds like his voice was tailor-made for this cover. And you see a lot of either interesting arrangements with poor vocals or songs like this where they just get a veteran vocalist to come in, do Paul's song and highlight why people like Paul's songs to do in the first place. I really enjoyed this one. A real uh, a thumb and a half up, a thumb and three fingers, shall we say. But back to reality for a moment. What about you? Was this one so bad? Has it all gone up in smoke? <laughs> uh, Smokey is a legend. All the Beatles at one point or another have spoken glowingly of Smokey. And I think in return, he's said nothing but kind words in return. Mutual respect and admiration between the two. Paul, known as being a huge fan of 60s era R&B Motown. So it must have been a thrill for Smokey to cover a song of his. Uh, that said, this isn't exactly prime Smokey, but Smokey still at his age can still deliver. It's not a prime Paul song either. So uh, true. That's it. that's absolutely true. So yeah, it's a, this was this was one of his big ones, right? Yeah, Smokey. Yeah, it was one of his big ones. <laughs> yeah. get, get in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a tribute act. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by Smokey's rendition. I thought I wouldn't I wouldn't qualify as a, a, yeah an essential Paul covers track. So I'm I'm a little more middling on this, but it's it's definitely a worth worth a listen. No, that is the definition of middling. I like it, but I'm not going to recommend it. Mm. And yes, folks, just for anyone panicking, I do know that Smokey Robinson wrote "You Really Got a Hold on Me," which of course the Beatles covered on with the Beatles. Don't panic. I do attempt to uh, do some research, and sometimes I, I even proofread my notes before I come on these episodes as well. This cover actually really reminded me of uh, Michael Jackson's cover of Girlfriend, which he did around the same time, only because, again, that's a, a cover with a famous falsetto vocalist. But Jackson's Girlfriend strips away everything that made me enjoy McCartney's original, whereas the only thing I enjoyed about the McCartney original is the vocal. So getting someone in to just improve an already fantastic vocal was never going to do wrong with me. Yeah, and I, I listened to the, that previous show, and you were so right about uh, Michael Jackson. It's much more age-appropriate, him him covering that song. And so I think it, it really works in that favor. So it's, a, it's a weird one. It's yeah. definitely a weird a, a weird one. Um, I would have liked Jackson to cover any other Paul McCartney song, but uh, okay. that's the way it goes. Following on, 
and we have yet another song that was thoughtfully recommended to us by one of our Twitter followers. Shout out to user I am Ziegman, and we're going to hear a version of "Listen to What the Man Said" from Venus and Mars, and the band performing it go by the name of The Trouble with Sweeney, and I do hope that's a reference to the British TV show The Sweeney. It, but anyway, let's hear the tune. Trouble with Sweeney in 2004 called Fishtown Briefcase, which apparently is a reference to a 24 pack of beer with a handle. And perhaps for legal reasons, the track is listed as LTWTMS. Straight up, yeah, this is another straight up winner for me, John. It ticks all the boxes right away. It's different, but not too different. It's got a new arrangement and a new closing instrumental segment. And most of all, the artists behind this, the aforementioned The Trouble With Sweeney, clearly understand the material, how and why it works. I'm sure for many people, the New Orleans aspect of this song is what makes Listen To What The Man Said work for them. But for me, these guys take it in a direction that totally made sense. Obviously, the original is one of the most joyously direct, in-your-face, uplifting songs in the Wings canon. So to then take the idea uh, of really downplaying it with this low energy, low-fi, low-ebb was an immediate draw for me. It was a great subversion of my expectations. And like the best covers, it reminds you of why you like the original whilst also opening your eyes to, to something new. Yeah, really enjoyed this one. What about you? Yes, the uh, mellow Wilco-esque vocals and backing. Uh, Sunday morning jam, a bit dreamy, pleasant, jaunty, jangle guitar. I I really enjoyed this track as well. Uh, I like the low-keyness of the track. Um, How well the cover's done makes me want to check out more of their catalog, Trouble with Sweeney. So, yeah, definitely high marks for this one. I'm sure um, the trouble with Sweeney's uh, viewing figures will start blaring up for the first time in five years after this. Something I've, something I've noticed, like, I do tend to worry about whenever I've said enough about a song, only when I really like the track. Um, I mean, there's not much more waffle you can give this song to describe it. It is just a, a slow, relaxed, like you say, dreamlike version of Listen to What the Man Said. It takes out a lot of those bells and whistles mm-hmm. and it highlights just how few of the elements of that song really make it what it is. 
I just can't help but feel relaxed whenever I listen to it with those ethereal guitars just, just doing that. <laughs> like, you know when you, you accidentally put a podcast on 50% speed and suddenly mm. everyone... It kind of feels like that. Mm. I'd love to hear you gave me the answer at half speed as well. Probably have a similar effect. Un- we're listening underwater. But yeah, overall... Yeah, it's just really good. And I always stress out that I'm not saying enough and I'm not giving them enough of a shout-out. But, yeah, go check it out if you haven't heard this one already. On to our next cover. And once again, we're going to go back to a cover's album, uh, Coming Up, independent artists pay tribute to the music of Paul McCartney. This time the song is Back On My Feet, which is a great non-album single for John here. Uh, Also a B-side. And... We have another fantastically named band here with Cockeyed Ghost. Can't wait to hear this one again in the, in the edit. Let's go. same label as another group who we've done on one of these episodes if everyone can cast their mind back to a cover of Jet by the Japanese band Shonen Knife apparently they're on the same label which is probably the most interesting part of my review really Uh, (laughs) this is definitely going to be one of those songs where the trivia surrounding it is more interesting for me than the music which is a shame because Loki Back On My Feet is one of my very favourite Paul McCartney B-sides so I was excited to see it on a covers album at all. But besides quite an impassioned vocal, it's a pretty bog-standard cover. It's a pretty bog-standard song, the original, but it's one of those moments where you kind of just have to accept the possibility that it isn't the song you like, it's the artist singing it that you like, and mm. everyone else doing it isn't just gonna isn't gonna have the, the same spirit. Also, just on a superficial level, one thing I did like about this cover, though, is that I could actually understand the lyrics a lot better, and I understood the song much more in-depth the first time around, which also happened to me recently with a cover of ACDC's Thunderstruck, and I found out I've been singing the lyrics to that song wrong for about 25 years. You know, I thought I was going to be giving a very positive review for this one, seeing as I am quite biased. Hmm. So maybe you can save it. Do you like this one? Yeah, so American Idol sings the Beatles. All the contestants will pick the most well-known and wholly untouchable Beatles songs only to set themselves <laughs> up for disappointment. So I give this this band credit for picking like a more obscure song from McCartney's catalog. And again, I, I'm a huge fan of the McCartney, you know, McCartney's version. 
I wasn't familiar with the original, so I think they did a fairly decent job. Uh, not sure the singer hits all the right notes. It kind of kids bop, sing along, carpool karaoke. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Actually, yeah, it does sound like they've Disney-fied it a bit, mm. which is a shame because it's quite it's quite a downer McCartney song lyrically. Mm. You're right. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those like, oh, it's a it's a sad song sung happily, but it kind of makes it into a happy song sung happily. So it kind of misses, misses the point of it. Yes, there's no, there's no dynamic, yeah. The drummer stood out for me on this one. Whoever that guy is, he really gives his kit a pounding in, in this one. There is a real kinetic energy that gave the song a drive that it definitely would not have had without him. So the drummer was dragging this cover, kicking and screaming. Again, like the last track, I do worry whether I've got enough to say about this song, but it's just because it doesn't inspire all that much from me either way, and I'm sure you feel the same way, John. You know, the only thing worse than a bad review is is an indifferent one, because I'm not going (laughs) to remember this cover like I am some of the other ones in this episode in years to come. Finally, though, we get to talk about an instrumental cover on this episode. I love discussing these in- these instrumentals, particularly easy listening, because it's like peering into an LSD alternative dimension. Uh, this is Another Day, another non-album single, funnily enough, though this is from the Ram Sessions. And the maestro that will be covering it today is one Mr. Hugo Montenegro. Let's see or hear what he can do. Hugo Montenegro was a composer mostly well known for his movie soundtracks. He did the Dean Martin movie The Wrecking Crew, featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was Sharon Tate's last film before her murder. Weird, weird little bit of trivia there. But he also did a lot of cover albums where he'd do either like spaghetti western scores or contemporary pop instrumental covers. Obviously we're going to be covering the latter here found on his 1971 release People One to One which also features three separate covers of Simon and Garfunkel songs taken from Bridge Over Troubled Water that must have been a licensing fucking nightmare <laughs> in 1971 mm. three songs of Bridge 
I mean, something I've noticed in these episodes that I've been doing, the 70s were just a cheaper time to license other people's songs. Like, mm-hmm. even, like you know, you'd have albums like, there are three Beatles songs on it. You are not going to get the next Muse album with three Beatles songs on it. That would cost them $2 million at mm-hmm. least for that. And they're not going to pay it. So we are in a, a very beautiful period where people are able to make these covers en masse and on a big budget. It's not like these are EPs or unreleased, unsigned YouTube acts of the modern day. This is a guy who was in the charts creating easy listening versions of Another Day. Uh, what do you think of this whole genre and this song in in particular? I ask with some reluctance. Yeah, you, easy listening, that's the key word here. Funky synthesizers, ooh, tongue twister. Um, elevator music, call waiting music. Uh, not noteworthy as being exceptionally good or, or bad. The album cover looks like a 70s coffee ad. Has the <laughs> not hipness to it. Uh, heard criticisms of Paul's earlier solo work as being too laid back, easy listening material. So I guess it's no surprise, I suppose, that this song would be covered as such. It's fairly short and sweet, fun, obscure song, but not essential. That's kind of my big take. I, you know, plus minus, give or take. Yeah, like the last one, it inspired indifference in me. And this one does, but in a much more positive sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a little jazzier and experimental than the standard easy listening affair, though, which did make it stand out. It goes all over the place with different movements, like an actual McCartney song, a la Uncle Albert, which I... I did appreciate, but based on my reception of this song and the other easily listening ones we've had on this show and the Thrillington album, as hard as it is to say, I think if I was alive in the 60s and 70s, I think I would have bought those albums. I think I would have listened to easy listening (laughs) music because it's great to have on when I'm writing my notes for this podcast, something I don't have to commit to. But, you know, you still want just someone going... I'm yeah, not great, saying great, it's... great background <laughs> music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying it's it's very cerebral. Right. It does. Right. It does. It doesn't need to be. It, it uh, serves a function, and I'm sure this Hugo Montenegro was, you know, one of the best in his field. But you know, he's like a 1950s Hollywood stable director who just bashes out 50 movies a year, whereas. Mm. You know, McCartney's like Scorsese putting out one picture every couple of years, you know. (laughs) Weirdly, this instrumental had a couple of lyrics in it, which threw me off a little bit. Like, randomly, they just chuck in, it's another day. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. Is is this a vocal now? Oh, it's not. We're just going (laughs) to throw that in for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Whatsoever. Very white bread, you're right. Um, (laughs) It's a... It's very, it's very hard to get all that passionate about this one either way, but like we say, that's exactly the point. Yeah, I guess I, if I could break away, like, um, do you do you buy into that criticism that some of his earlier, he had a few tunes that are kind of the easy listening kind of, personally, I, I liked Another Day. I, I thought that was a great song, but. It's okay, uh, that's that song in particular. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best song to leave an impression on an, post Beatle audience. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good, yeah, I can see uh, that. I mean, why not even release Maybe I'm Amazed a good six months after the album? 
Mm. Most people won't have heard it, and it would have sold. I'd, Another day's fine. I, I, I prefer it when Edna Krabappel singing it in The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, the criticism of easy listening, though, a depends on whether you think easy listening is a bad thing, which I oh, yeah. don't particularly. And the fact that Paul turned one of his most rockingest albums into an easy listening instrumental album certainly is worth investigation in mm. terms of this conversation. But no, I think his his music is just more easily translatable into that kind of easy listening format. Whereas, like, I don't think uh, Hugo Montenegro could do this with "Well, Well, Well." <laughs> just, right, yeah. Just like an oboe going. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now, now that kind of piques my curiosity. <laughs> oh no! Why didn't I say oh oboe instead? Oh, that would have been much better, Sam. You fool! You fool! Um, anyway, for the following cover version, I simply couldn't resist. It's the theme for this show. It's Temporary Secretary from McCartney 2, and it is being performed by a returning artist. I don't think we've had many artists that have at least come back for two separate episodes. This is Club Helmbrecker feat Jorik van Norden. Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Shamefully insensitive Nordic impression. I've just got to say, this is brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. It was everything I could have wanted from a cover of Temporary Secretary. It completely satisfied me as a fan in every conceivable way. I, I'm so upset they've only got a couple of hundred subscribers on YouTube and that they haven't posted in four years. Where's the Club Helmbrecker cover of Goodnight Tonight? I'm not going to hold my breath, but maybe they're listening now. Again, it's it, it, it's rare that such a picky asshole like me should genuinely find no fault in something. <laughs> like, like this song, again, it's so blatantly without flaw that I'm worried it's not going to make for good criticism. You know, from from the knave to the chops, I love, I love this one. It keeps out all of those annoying elements from the song that might put off other people, like the main hook and those super warped vocals. They they reduce the harshness of it, but like they, they don't take away what makes the song recognisable. And the whole thing is just so much more accessible and palatable to a more contemporary audience, or I mean, or you know, less experimental audience. 
shan't we say? And I don't know whether the, you know the, it, it's hinting at you know how ahead of its time the song was, but they just make this so legitimately contemporary, and it doesn't feel like it's selling itself short by adding in modern pop conventions or you know a middle of the road kind of sound. It's just like oh. If Temporary Secretary wasn't written by Paul, but it was just written by these guys, this is how this song would sound. And the results are fantastic. I, I, I'm so happy this one exists. It's gone straight onto my personal Paul playlist. Yeah, I could go into detail about the male-female harmonies. I really, I really enjoyed that. I like the fact that the backing uh, acoustic guitar was switched to electric and like how the first song we have a, a, a bigger, beefier rock aesthetic. Everything, everything's fantastic, <laughs> dude. You, you, you know, um, I, I said I was slightly biased for "Back on My Feet." I'm really biased here. It doesn't matter if you nuke this song with the worst review ever, because it will balance out to a nice fifty-fifty. What do you think? No, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, the vocals, I got a bit of Arctic. At Arctic Monkeys? Attic Monkeys. Oh, I'm so unhip. What is the, <laughs> what is the band? The Arctic Monkeys. Okay, right. thank you. Yeah, so I got a little bit of that. Uh, the Attic Monkeys? What's up there? Attic, Attic Monkeys, yes. What's that scratching? <laughs> oh my goodness. Jumanji? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Jumanji the band. <laughs> a song originally originally released in 1981 and it sounds as contemporary as any song now in fact sounds daring even today great video mm. high energy looks like the band is having a blast playing it i consider myself a paul fan but i, I wasn't too familiar with much of his 80s work i, I guess under, trying to understand the paul fandom paul is so brilliant able to tackle so many different uh variety of musical styles i, I would think the fan like why can't he always do this rather than the schmaltzy stuff yeah, I, I absolutely love the cover, you know, as well as the original. And I think it just, again, speaks to not only how great the cover is, but how great the original one is as well. Yeah, I think McCartney 2, if he did a lot of stuff like McCartney 2, then the original just wouldn't be as special. Mm. So That's a good point. We have to, uh, we have to take that one, you know. Because... Paul hasn't really, like, I know he did the pure McCartney, and that's mostly just, like, you know, the, the standard hits for the most part. Has he released, like, an enthout, like, all the odd musical bits? I don't, I... No, so there's there, 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 there was Hot Hits and Cold Cuts. That was going to be, like, unreleased B-sides and mm. bonus tracks and stuff like that. That got shit-canned. See, uh, I would with... be most excited for that. I would love to dive into that. Or just, like... On Spotify, a really cool playlist of all of his weirdest stuff. Mm-hmm. Just just put it out there, and Enemy and Karang will report on it. And maybe someone will check out Check My Machine or Secret Friend or Dark Room, something like that. Mm. But yeah, without repeating myself too much, a fucking great cover. I really, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I can definitely see myself... Uh, not playing only 59 seconds of this one in the edit and probably just playing the the whole thing. But they haven't released anything for four years, so mm. I, think, I, I think I'll get away with it. Now, the last song Club Helmbrecker did was Monkberry Moon Delight. So, fuck it. Let's talk about another version of Monkberry Moon Delight instead from the indomitable Ram. Uh, for this, 
we are going to return to the covers album and indie all-star tribute to Paul McCartney from 2019. And we're going to hear it be performed by Third Street Chaos, which is the worst name we've come across on this episode so far. Uh, they, they just keep coming, don't they? Let's hear it from Third Street Chaos. So I sat in the attic, a piano of my nose, and the wind played a dreadful cantata. I'm just going to come right out and say that this song means a fucking lot to me and to this podcast in many ways. So I'm going to bite my tongue and let you take the floor with this one. So please tell me, are you excited by this cover of Monday Moon Delight? Is, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I think I feel like I'm walking into a trap now. Oh, you're not, don't worry. Okay. Yeah, the opening guitar sounds like GTA Guitar Bro. If you're not familiar with that, that's an internet classic. Um, I've even checked out the band on Twitter. It looks like a biker bar band. Oh. They got the tattoos, a long hair, leather jacket, a real rough bunch. It explains so, a lot. So, yeah, hi, I'm Sam Wiles, and this song is complete trash. <laughs> Direct all fan mail to Paul or Nothing Pod. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't... Deli- I didn't commit as much to that the hell's angels are going to come to my mom's house and they're not going to leave oh, no. <laughs> so I, I love me some Melvin's Doomer sludge metal uh, but this ain't it unable to make it through the full track a pale imitation of both the original or say a harder rocking track and then there's this weird chanting between the song what, were they saying suck it Something like that. Yeah. I dread to think. Suck it. I was going to do an annoying thing where, like, you speak and I would just say, suck it. Suck it. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like James Hetfield was shouting at me then. Suck it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess, you know, know, know your... I'm sure it's like if a, they were a biker band, maybe they sound great live, but... uh I don't think this this does them service. Yeah, well, we're not down at the crazy shack off Route 39, are we? Yeah, yeah. Um, After 10 beers, I'm sure they're a rocking band, but... Oh, yeah, you know, I'm sure this song is great if there's some girl, some Dixie girl in in, 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 in her, you know, uh, hot pants with some boots. She's dancing like Coyote, Coyote Ugly. Yes. But no, I'm, 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 I'm sat in my parents' living room. So I've got a very different context to listen to this music. And I couldn't think of a a cover that's missed the point of the original song more today than this one. Mm -hmm. Um, Monkberry Moon Delight is not a funeral dirge. It's like a sprightly, crazy, manic, 
off-kilter, energetic, emotive song, and this is just this slog of one note. Like, mm. strip it strip it down, yeah? Sure. Make it, like, simplify it if it works. Cool. But don't just make it more boring, which is what they've done here. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, mitigation and management of expectations is something that we all have to deal with as critics, pseudo-critics, demi-critics, and half-critics. But I really felt let down by this one. Mm. I, I shouldn't put too much on the artist, but but also, in the sense of doing a bit of good old-fashioned victim blame, <laughs> the artist should also know when to and when not to approach material that is frankly beyond their grasp, or material that they haven't put in the time to understand. Like The song literally talks about playing the piano and they don't have a piano <laughs> in the arrangement. What are you doing, fellas? Mm. Come on. Oh, they should have an oboe. <laughs> don't rev your Harleys at me. I'm not, I'm not scared. Mm. This is a song that is so venerated by myself and many members of the fandom. And to get a cover like this, oh, it's a slap in the face. I'm, I don't want to talk about this one anymore, if that's all right. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, originally my uh, note just said no. That was it. <laughs> that was going to be my... <laughs> I want to cut to that clip of Roger E, but just going, I hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. Yes. <laughs> uh, I felt like you were pranking me with this one, but... No, 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 no. Anyway, on to our penultimate track now, and this is a cover of a track that I always see people criticising. And I always struggle to find any examples when I try and prove this to people, but I, I'm sure I've read a lot of people slagging off this song, and I don't like that. Uh, this is... Say, 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 from Pipes of Peace. But rather than Maka and Wacko Jacko, this is Quiet Drive. A slightly better name this time around. So, without making too much noise, let's hear Quiet Drive. regular on the Punnet podcast. I'm a sucker for a good pun. And this song was taken from their covers album Your Record Our Spin. Oh, that's fucking great. I love that. That's probably the best play on words in a title of a record about a record since the Beatles own Revolver. And I've been doing this podcast for nearly four and a half, five years. I only learnt that Revolver is about a revolving record about two weeks ago. So don't worry, you know, I learn things when I listen to these podcasts all the time as well. 
Also on this cover album, they do a really good version of Muse's Uprising, which I was really vibing with. Be sure to check that one out if that too is your jam. If you like kind of conspiratorial opera rock, that's certainly what they offer. But yeah, back to the song in question. When it first started with that bass and the snare and kick, I was thinking, have I just put on Warning by Green Day or something? But then, well, the guitar and the vocals kick in, and suddenly it becomes this, you know, 2010s power pop rock ballad. You know, think early Fallout Boy or Panic at the Disco. This, this really would have appealed to teenage me because I wouldn't have liked Paul or Michael Jackson at that time, but I would have liked this emo, pull your hair down, put, put your dark makeup on kind of shit. And if you don't mind some shameless, in-your-face pop punk, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's funny a song like this should come up, because uh, me and a friend have been talking about how now that we're adults and we don't have to worry about what kids behind the bike shed or in geography class are saying about us we can just whack on my chemical romance without fear of social reprisal and this is exactly one of one of those songs it's not particularly complicated it's just say 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 but bigger louder and with a, a youthful pop punk energy that is really going for the lowest common denominator uh, normally i don't like the phrase guilty pleasure but I really have not made my peace with this song, so I will call it a guilty pleasure. What about you? Yeah, I, I had thoughts of Alien Ant Farm, Smooth Criminal. Like and are you okay? Are you okay? I hate the music video for that. What? Oh, my Lord. The what? bassist mugs the camera so much, and it really infuriates me. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. And, like, you know how, he, yeah, you know how he, he sings the backing counter melody? Like, he goes, oh, no. And, like, he does it into the camera. And I'm like, oh, this is a more annoying music video than original Gangster by... Um, the offspring, you know what I mean? Oh. Or is that original prankster? Yeah, original <laughs> prankster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, obviously there's the MJ connection. Quiet drive going for a more contemporary sound, but sadly it doesn't work for me. Uh, what record executives think sounds slick and cool. I'm picturing a uh, producer. The kids will dig it. Cover doesn't do enough to try to distinguish itself from the original and what it does try to emulate, it does considerably worse. I wouldn't consider this a song that's hard to top unless you... The, the song, the Say Say Say, is like a classic. And if they try to do a rockier version, I, I think it, it just failed to deliver in that way. Um, a drunk girl might dance to it. Mar- Marooned Five. There's my wittyism. No, say... I- You've had a lot of witticisms this episode, and, I, and I've been trying to think of a similar one that sums it up. And uh, and it just came to me as you were talking. Then this song sounds like it would appear on the Twilight soundtrack. There, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you you're, you're fair to like yeah, guilty pleasure, sure. Yeah, I mean, if I if I was a certain age, maybe I would be into this, but uh, a pass, I guess. <laughs> Are you Team Jacob or Team Bella? Email in at paulmcconneypod at gmail.com. If anyone understood that reference, then then you are too young for this podcast. Yeah. Um, just before we move on, though, 
There was a weird refrain in this cover of Say, 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 which they kept cutting back to. And it's like, um, the way, it's the way that you feel. Like, I was like, I've never heard that before. Hmm. I don't recognise that at all. Google couldn't tell me. My my illegal dark internet tour search engine couldn't tell me. My Chinese bot farm couldn't tell me. Uh, so if if anyone, hopefully a, I will have been smart enough to remember to use the clip that I'm referring to now in the segment at the start. But if you recognise the coder that they keep coming back to here, please hit me up again at publicgodipod.gmail.com or on Twitter at McCartneyPod. And last. John, but certainly not least, we have yet another track that is another one of my all-time treasured McCartney tracks. Hopefully this one will pan out a little better than some of the others we've had today. This is Put It There from Flowers in the Dirt, and we have a trio bringing us this one, going by the names of Peter, Bjorn and John. Take it away, fellas. song from the Macca's cover album The Art of McCartney the one that featured the Smokey Robinson cover of So Bad this one had a lot to live up to really and John you know what seeing as how this is the last song of the day why don't you go ahead and give me your hot take sure no problem uh, typically my philosophy is simpler the better originally the original is so close to perfection and I love mm-hmm. Paul's simple arrangement here the few odd musical flourishes in the cover felt distracting not sold on the vocals maybe i have too much affection to the original paul's older more mature world weariness voice brings out the lyrics more convincingly i wasn't convinced with this younger sounding voice the outro has a beatlesque psychedelic soundscape which sounds interesting but i don't think fitting to the subject matter uh like sticking a psychedelic outro to yesterday so I'm, I'm pretty low on this. Again, I, I maybe I, I too much affection to the original, but there's my hot take. <laughs> There's no such thing as too much affection for the original. Yeah. It's probably my second most wanted Paul McCartney vinyl single right now. It's always like uh, 30 pounds, so probably about $45, something like that. Mm. And it's like, oh, Paul, couldn't you have just printed a few more copies back in 89, mate? You're fucking me here. (laughs) What, 10,000 copies of Temporary Secretary worldwide? Are you kidding me? Mm. But anyway, I'm completely the opposite of you here today, John. I really enjoyed this one. I love Put It There. And there are so many times when adding instrumentation to a song is just 
needlessly overcomplicating it or just changing it for the sake of changing it. But I genuinely felt like they expanded the sonic scape of this song in a way that was very exciting. Like, the guitar and its tone in this one, I just thought was fucking awesome. When people normally do a McCartney acoustic number, they just commit to doing the full acoustic thing. But here, for me, like during, during, during the choruses, they let those notes ring out that are that are just like kind of quiet little just doom doom doom. But in this, it's like It's like a a walrus braying or something like that. It's gorgeous. Mm. But it's so funny you should mention psych- psychedelia because t- to me, it had that bucolic psychedelia found on albums like Ram and Wildlife, and. You know, you can guess by this point, John, that is not a problem for me at all. Since I do enjoy this world and the world I've put it there so much, I actually really appreciated the little closing uh, coda as well, the little instrumental segment. I mean, I just want to stay in this world a little, a little bit longer, so it certainly gave me that. Vocals as well, I thought were stellar. I'm not sure whether it was Peter Bjorn or John. Doesn't matter. It had a, a genuine earnestness that I felt really sold the material, and there was a kind of almost like Lennon esque strain to the to the voice. They, like, you know, may you know think think uh, you know maybe healthy Tom Waits, unhealthy Leonard Cohen, maybe. But yeah, that was that was quite interesting. It, it, he definitely wasn't trying to emulate the Macca vocal like the cover of Back on My Feet was earlier. I think that was quite quite a shrewd move mm. on, on, on the part of Peter and or Bjorn and or John. The harmonies, I thought, were quite outstanding also. This is a McCartney solo vocal on the original, so to kind of add the group element brought a warmth and sense of togetherness that really brought home that kind of peaceful, put-it-there nature of the song. Overall, this Art of McCartney tribute album, along with the Smokey Robinson cover of So Bad, makes me think that this is going to be another album that I'm going to have a lot of fun mining in the future. But it's uh, it's interesting that um, that that you weren't all that all that fond of this one. But the important thing is is that we can both agree that McCartney's version of Put It There is fucking fire. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there we are, dude. Um, there is always an arbitrary number of covers in these episodes. It's it's pretty much until I run out of interesting ones that I find in about a two-hour seg- uh, segment of time. There we are. We're not doing it in any particular chronological order, or particularly for any reason other than enjoying Paul McCartney covers. So I hope, if nothing else, dude, you've had a little bit of fun talking about your uh, your gig i mean this has been a busman's holiday for you surely yeah this was very, yeah i really enjoyed being on the show and um huge fan as well so yeah th- thanks so much for having me on no come on don't be like that well, i've had <laughs> i've had other I've, I've had fun as well but yeah thank you for helping me discuss these uh these songs man Ho- hopefully some you'll take home with you and and add to your music streaming app of choice I've definitely got got a couple that I'm going to be taking away with me forever. Put it there, Peter Bjorn and John, definitely temporary secretary by Club Helmbrecher and Jorik van Norden. That one's got to got to go back with me in uh, in my little playlist as well. Trouble with Sweeney. Listen to what the man said. 
cracking, absolutely wonderful lo-fi cover there. So bad, Smokey Robinson, another A+. You can fuck off with Warm and Beautiful if you want. I don't <laughs> oh give a shit. Oh, my lord, yo. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, yeah, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, Foster Silvers. I can definitely see someone taking some sort of narcotic that is legal in states like Colorado, but illegal in others, lying back and just letting that song roll. Yeah, dude, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on. This has been another episode of Paul or Nothing. Where, where, where can people find your show? Where, uh, what, what, what are your socials? And uh, what, what have you got coming up? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm on iTunes, Mixcloud, and Anchor. Um, if you find me, I suppose I could, I could just share a link and then put that in the L- show. Notes. Links will cool. all be down, down, oh, down, 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 down below, folks. Awesome, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the next show, well, I'd love to have you on my show and we could do um, best and worst uh, McCartney covers. So that would be fantastic. Definitely. Once, that, once you, you know, the time you're, you're available. So I'd, I'd be really appreciative. Dude, that would literally take me minutes. It would be going through <laughs> the last four episodes of this side series, picking my favorites and least favorites, putting them in a little list. And maybe reorganising the words a little bit for you. Awesome. Uh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, folks. You know? uh, <laughs> I mean, t- t- today you've given me some heart and you know, hopefully uh, some courage as well. But I don't think I've gotten a brain yet. <laughs> no. But we must go back off to Kansas now, folks. Yeah, I've been Sam. This has been John Davenport from the Under the Covers podcast. Make sure you go and check out all of those links down below. And, again, do what I did. The best introductory episode, in my opinion, is the two-part conversation he did with Anthony Rotuno from Glass Onion. Of course, we're we're all one big, happy podcasting family here today, folks. None of us argue behind closed doors or when these uh, mics are turned off. Although, apparently, there is footage somewhere of Richard Buskin attacking Tom Hunyadi. This isn't confirmed. Oh, my God. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. (laughs) World star. Yeah, there we go. Wow, you see, you're much hipper than me. (laughs) He's out, bro. He's out. Leave it. Leave it, bro. (laughs) Anyway, enough of all this nonsense. Um, This is only adding to my editing time later. John, thank you so much. I'll gladly be on your show at the first convenience. That sounds like a wonderful time indeed. But yeah, thank you for coming on, Paul or Nothing. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Yeah. Peace and love. (laughs) And there we are, folks. That was my conversation with John Davenport from the Under the Covers podcast. I am sure Denny Lane has already been playing us out before we've even reached this point. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Paul or Nothing, folks. Please email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Tell me your Paul McCartney stories, your Paul McCartney parental stories, if possible. And let me know what you think about McCartney 3. The album's still fresh. Let's keep the conversation going, everyone. Hit us up on the Twitter at McCartneyPod. Follow our sister blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube simply by typing in Paul McCartney Podcast or Paul or Nothing. Please leave us a five-star review and maybe even a little review on whatever platform you are using. If you're on YouTube, give us the old thumbs up. And finally, folks, please consider throwing a couple of dollars a month down the internet at my face. 
by joining our wonderful Patreon family. Help keep the lights running, yada, yada, yada. Thank you all, folks, once again. Peace and love, peace and love. Play us out, then. I will always be hoping, hoping You will always be holding, holding my heart in your hand I will understand I will understand someday, one day You will understand